Hawkeye Nation podcast. HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs here with you on a Tuesday morning. It's Final Four week. The Iowa Hawkeyes are headed to the Final Four the first time in 30 years. The first team from uh, any of our schools in the state of Iowa, men's or women's, to get to a Final Four since the Iowa women did it back in 1993 with C. Vivian Stringer at the helm. Uh, and your Iowa Hawkeyes are, are headed back to the Final Four. And we now have our opponent, number one, undefeated, returning champion, South Carolina, Aaliyah Boston, Don Staley. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. We are going to preview that matchup uh, on an opposition research podcast later this week. Uh, been in contact with the beat writer for The State, which is the... Uh, the news outlet there in Columbia, South Carolina. He's been followed. Jeremy Holloway is his name. He's been following uh, South Carolina, you know, all season long, probably for a couple of years, but certainly through this run in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they got the win last night over Maryland uh, to get to the Final Four and take on your Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, the Final Four game set for, I think, an 8.30 tip. It'll be the second game of the night, Friday night uh, on ESPN. And uh, another huge spot for the Hawkeyes, another huge showcase opportunity for Caitlin Clark and Lisa Bluter and this entire program and the entire state. And ah, what a time it is. It's always a great time to be a Hawkeye, but man, this is uh, this is as sweet as it gets, I think. Um, I don't remember the 1993 team. I'm 40 years old, so I was certainly alive at that time. I was, uh, you know, 10 years old or so, but... I don't remember it. Uh, women's basketball wasn't what it is now, at least not in the consciousness of uh, of the the average sports fan and and within local and national media. And uh, you know, I just I, I wasn't a part of it. I will tell you, uh, my kids will remember this. My seven, almost eight year old son will remember uh, the time the Iowa Hawkeyes went to the Final Four with Caitlin Clark and Lisa Bluter in 2023 because uh, we've been all in, we've been watching, we've been paying attention. Uh, and this has been, again, as fun. I, I tweeted this after the, I don't remember if it was after the Colorado game or, or a week ago after the Georgia game, but uh, this is as fun as any Hawkeye team I've ever been a fan of. This is this season has been fun, and certainly this run in the uh, through the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament, really all the way back to that season finale against then number 2 Indiana, where Caitlin Clark hits that game-winning shot, the three at the buzzer uh, to send Iowa to the win, they go to the Big Ten tournament. They run through that pretty easily, especially that Ohio State game, where uh, and then, you know that's that's an Elite Eight Ohio State team that Iowa ran off the floor in the championship championship of the Big Ten game. Uh, that's an Elite Eight Maryland team that Iowa had beaten in the semifinals of that and uh, and beat earlier in the season at home as well. And uh, and you've you've played some good teams. Now the the bracket has opened up a little bit for Iowa. They haven't had to play anybody higher than a five seed, and that was Louisville. But that's a good Louisville team, man. They they were in the Final Four last year. Uh, Haley Van Lith is a great player. Their coach is a great coach. That's a really good program. That Colorado team, even in the Sweet Sixteen game, uh, which doesn't have the the history that Louisville has, uh, doesn't have that run of success, but is certainly on the uptick, on the upswing in their second straight NCAA tournament, their first Sweet 16 in, in 20 years, and uh, and that was a tough game as well. But Iowa has welcomed all challengers and uh, dispatched them one by one, and usually in, in, in the end, pretty handily. Uh, you know, that Georgia game was close. Certainly that Colorado game was close in the second half. 
the Louisville game got close early in the second half, but I was been able to uh, kind of take all comers and uh, and now the biggest comer is is here. So we'll we'll preview that game tomorrow with Jeremiah Holloway on this podcast feed. Check that out, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about it. Uh, although I don't know a ton about South Carolina, other than that they're really really good, that Aaliyah Boston is really good. Uh, and that I was an 11 and a half point underdog in this game in the final four. But back to the, this team and they're just so much fun to watch. They're so much fun to follow. And, you know, I tweeted something out. There's that uh, meme going around and has been going around for a long time. of Like Iowa fan, uh, you know, you've got it's like this triangle of, of sadness, essentially, where, you know, Iowa, you get your hopes up, you then I would disappoint you. Then you start to believe again. You get your hopes up. I would disappoint you. And uh, especially on the men's side and, and in football and men's basketball more than anything, Iowa has done, and I've talked about this on this podcast before, Iowa has done a great job of getting itself to the game, putting itself in a position to be in the big game, to have the opportunity to win the big game, and they usually don't win it. They usually fall short in that big game, and, and some of their – Big stars don't come up in the way that you hope they will, and the team just doesn't uh, put together the game that, that you hope it will, and uh, they fall short. And I would argue that I, this Iowa women's team has already has already surpassed that. They've already won the big game. Now, there's a bigger game this Friday night, and if Iowa somehow beats South Carolina, there's an even bigger game on Sunday afternoon uh, for a national championship. But at this point, there is no bad outcome. There is no sadness. They've reached that plateau. They've made a Final Four. We're raising a banner next year in Carver-Hawkeye Arena, a banner that doesn't get raised very often, a banner that hasn't been raised in 30 years and has only been done a handful of times in the history of the school, both men's and women's basketball. And so to have this team not disappoint you, they just keep coming through. They're fun to watch. You, you, you don't get a lot of anxiety uh, watching these games, starting these games, because you believe in this team. Even late in that Louisville game, you started to see some people sweat a little bit uh, as they cut the lead back down to, to eight, I think, uh, at that game. And it's like, I I trust this team to close these games out. And obviously a big part of that is Caitlin Clark, and we'll talk about her greatness and everything that she has done and throw a bunch of hyperbole and uh, you know superlatives at her and, and all of which she has earned. Uh, but it's not just her. It's It's this entire program. It's her teammates, it's these coaches and this coaching staff, and it's the the support from the fan base that uh, has certainly grown over the last handful of years uh, and, and hopefully will continue to do so. This program is on another level, and it's just so much fun to watch. This is one of the most fun Hawkeye seasons I've ever experienced. And now we'll talk about Kaitlyn Clark. She's the greatest Hawkeye in my lifetime. Already. Already. Now, she was probably well on her way to that as it was uh, with her eye-popping stats and her uh, demeanor. Just She's fun to watch her role inside of women's college basketball, of women's sports uh, overall, within the Hawkeye Nation, within the state of Iowa. Um, she, she was probably well on her way to earning that status but, you know, like two weeks ago, and this this is not to disparage Spencer Lee by any means, but a couple of weeks ago on our radio show here in Des Moines, we were talking about the, the Hawkeye athlete Mount Rushmore. And is Spencer Lee and Caitlin Clark already on that? Or are we, you know, is it recency bias? 
And at that time, we were assuming that Spencer Lee would win his fourth national championship. And we didn't really know what Caitlin Clark and the Iowa women would do, but we expected at least a run into the second weekend of the tournament. Well, Spencer Lee lost. Then again, not to disparage him or make this about him or, or that loss or anything like that, but uh, you know that, that probably calls into question whether or not uh, you, he's the greatest wrestler in the history of, of Iowa, of the Iowa program, just because there's been so many others. Um, and while I don't think there was going to be a question about Caitlin Clark and her place atop the heap of Iowa women's basketball players in history, an accomplishment like this puts her over the top, puts her on that round, Mount Rushmore makes her the greatest Hawkeye of my lifetime. And there's still more to do. She's a junior, first of all. They have two more games, hopefully, this season. I mean, bringing a national championship to Iowa uh, in a sport like women's basketball would be incredible. But then she's also got all next year, and they're basically running it back. They'll lose Monica Sinano, and that's a big loss. They'll lose, uh, I believe, McKenna Warnock, and those are big losses. But uh, this is a program at this point that can reload rather than rebuild. And, you know, potentially a fifth year for Caitlin Clark, depending on what she wants to do and, and what the opportunities are out there for her. I don't know if making a Final Four makes it more or less likely that she'll stick around for a fifth year. Uh, I could argue both ways. I think more likely based on, hey, she knows she can get there. And especially if they fall short of a national title this year, she'll still have that kind of carrot out there. Uh, and maybe less likely because, hey, she's already done what she came here to do. Uh, she's already reached the mountaintop. She's already taken us uh, to places that uh, this program just hasn't been to uh, in in you know again in thirty years. And so, um, but Caitlin Clark is the greatest Hawkeye of my lifetime it, on so many levels. She's so much fun to watch. She's she just is mind blowingly good. And uh, Keith Murphy from WHO TV here in Des Moines and and my uh, coworker here at KXNO Radio talked to, he was out in Seattle and he talked to some of the players after the game on Sunday night at the win over Louisville and a, a couple of a couple of the players, I think Kate Martin uh, and Gabby Marshall both kind of echoed the same sentiment which was even they find it hard to believe at times and, and these are, are women who see this every day in practice and have dealt with it for several years now as, as her teammates, even they kind of stand back and are in awe of her at times on the floor. And how could you not be? How could you not be? She's just incredible. The biggest game of her career, the biggest game of her life, and she not only plays the best game of her life, or at least the best game of her Hawkeye career, she plays the best game anybody's ever played in that situation. 41 points, 12 assists, 10 rebounds, uh, a few steals. He had nine turnovers, but not ones that that killed Iowa. And and then just kind of the intangible thing, the fact that seven of those points came in a span of 35 seconds after Iowa fell into an 8 nothing hole at the start of that game. How many times this season uh, with the men's team did Iowa fall into a hole or, or have a slump and we were looking for somebody to take over the game or at least bring them back into it to provide that spark, to provide that energy? On the women's team, you look at one person, and that's number 22. And that number 22 will be up in the rafters of Carver Hawkeye Arena when this is all said and done. And what she is doing for the state, for this program, for this university, for women's basketball, uh, it, you just can't say enough about it. You can't say enough about it, and it's all being said, and it's all been said, 
And man, if you were sick of Caitlin Clark before this last weekend, you're going to be real sick of her now because I think more people saw her play Sunday night than have ever seen her play. I think a lot of people who have heard about her and seen highlights of her got to sit down and actually watch her play against Louisville. And how could you not be entertained by that? How could you not be enthralled by that? Uh, that was such a great showcase for women's, women's basketball, especially coming after that LSU game, which was kind of a dog, kind of a slog. Uh, it was, was not the most entertaining game. This Hawkeye team is super entertaining. And again, it's not just Caitlin Clark, but she does so much. She finds uh, I mean, passes, passes that nobody else sees. And I think the only reason her teammates are even ready for them is because three years later they've gotten used to it. They know to expect the ball when uh, they probably shouldn't be expecting it because she's going to find that lane. She's going to find that pass. 900 points, 300 assists. The first player in D1 history to get that in a season. She's going to break 1,000 points if she gets, what, 18 uh, on Friday night against South Carolina which I think we expect to happen. She's going to break Megan Gustafson's program record uh, for points in a season with over 1,000. I believe that's also the Big Ten record. I heard Chad Lysko, the Des Moines Register, in a great podcast with Dargan Southern uh, about this, that I think that's the fifth, maybe sixth player uh, to get to 1,000 points in a single season. Um, Hawkeyes on Twitter, <laughs> I think it was him, posted something like you know, 900, 300 as a career is good enough to get you a plaque at most schools, Caitlin Clark just did it in a year, in a season, in a season in which she helped Iowa to a 30-6 and six record to a Final Four. It's, it's truly stunning. And, and then the person she is. You know, the fact that 45 minutes after winning the biggest game of her life, playing the best she's ever played, getting accolades from everywhere you could possibly get accolades from, She's out on that court in Seattle signing autographs, giving hugs, taking selfies, giving time to young girls and boys and fans of all ages who just want a piece of that magic. They just want to say they met her. Her skills camp that she announced yesterday in Des Moines and in Iowa City sold out in like five minutes. The wait lists are full. The impact she's having is incredible and Again, Keith Murphy said this on our radio show yesterday. It, it, it appears that this is the case from the outside, and then from everybody on the inside, they'll tell you the same thing. Jan Jensen, my interview with her last week, if you didn't catch that on here on the podcast feed, go check that out. Her teammates, her coaches, everybody around her loves her. They're not jealous. They don't think she's selfish. They're not, you know, worried about the attention. They don't see a change in her. They don't see this celebrity. They don't walk on eggshells around her. They understand who she is and what she's doing. But Monica Sonata said it best. It's just my best friend doing her thing. That's what she sees. She understands that Caitlin Clark is a celebrity and she's doing things that literally nobody's ever done before, man, man or woman in this sport, in these, in these games, with this kind of a spotlight. And she just seems like a genuinely good person. It's it's just, it's amazing. We've been so lucky as Hawkeye fans the last handful of years, and really for a long time, but specifically these last handful of years, to have players to root for like Caitlin Clark, like Megan Gustafson, like Spencer Lee, like Luca Garza, like the Murray boys. 
It's just these are these are good times. And it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Let's keep it going. So one last thing I kind of want to talk about just a little bit before I get out of here. I do want this to be just a a women's basketball podcast. And again, I will have an opposition research podcast coming with a closer look at South Carolina uh, yet this week. And, um, you know, I'm sure I'll do some sort of reaction uh, to the game on Friday night and potentially a game on Sunday. It wouldn't be just great to get South Carolina and then to get Kim Mulkey and LSU in the championship game. And that's the thing, like going into that game last night, like uh, I, I get with your head, it would have made more sense to be rooting for Maryland because Maryland's a team Iowa has beaten twice. Maryland's a team that Iowa knows. Uh, Maryland's a team that that you feel pretty confident going against, I think, if, if you're the Hawkeyes right now. South Carolina is none of those things. South Carolina, you haven't seen them. You haven't played them. And you don't feel confident. But... I want to match up with the best. I do not want Iowa to run to a title and have any question marks, right? I don't want it to be like, well, you didn't have to play them. Well, she didn't have to do this. No. And part of that is because I'm confident that Iowa is elite. When we talk about the best, I'm confident that Iowa is one of those teams. And so while I don't, I w- I don't think I'm going to bet that Iowa will beat South Carolina, I don't put it past them, and I want to see how we stack up. How do we stack up? Are we elite? Are we one of the best? Can we give South Carolina a game? A game? Can we hang with them? Do they have an answer for Caitlin Clark? Do they have an answer for Monica Sonano? I think the answer to that is is probably yes, but if so, is it like Louisville and they can shut down Sonano but can't shut down anybody else? This Iowa team is not just Caitlin Clark. She's the stir that the the straw that stirs the drink. There's no doubt about it. In so many ways, she assisted or scored Iowa's first 30 points in an Elite Eight game. Um, but I want to see how Iowa does against South Carolina. Let's find out. So I'm glad it's South Carolina. And again, I'll be talking with Jeremiah Holloway of the state in Columbia, South Carolina, to get a bit more of a preview of that. But uh, and 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 I do plan to do uh, like kind of a bigger picture postseason basketball podcast. But we're not in the postseason yet. I want to talk about the men's team and the transfer portal and what what things look like next year. Uh, you know, some Fran McCaffrey conversation I'm sure needs to be had. Um, and then obviously looking back at this this women's season once it's all said and done, uh, and kind of put a bow on all of this. But I'll do that when the when the seasons are actually over. This season isn't over yet. That being said, I do want to have a, a, a kind of a big picture conversation here about Lisa Bluter and kind of what she's doing and where she's where she's placing herself. Uh, and I, I just don't think I don't think she gets the credit for the longevity that we give to Kirk Ferentz, but she's been here just about that long, twenty three seasons. They've they were they've had sustained success throughout that time, but never to this level. And for her to be able to elevate the program to another level, to another plateau, late in in her tenure, I mean, hopefully not late in her tenure, but I mean, 23 years in, really is remarkable. 
And really, I think it's something that's being slightly overlooked. And again, it's it's funny because, uh, and we see this on the men's side with with Fran McCaffrey and the lack of Sweet 16 since 1999. These games are so important. They're legacy games. They're legacy building games. Iowa, the Iowa women winning that game against Louisville was an accomplishment that elevates Caitlin Clark and Lisa Bluter and this program to another level. Again, you're going to hang a banner. And so now that she has gotten there, and hopefully we'll go further, but now that she has gotten here to the final four, to the mountaintop, right? I think it's time to start considering, is, is she worthy of the kind of talk we use for Kirk Ferentz and for Dan Gable and for Hayden Fry and for, to a lesser extent, Dr. Tom Davis and Lute Olson, who I don't think quite elevate to this level. Uh, Lute Olson because of the lack of longevity, although he got Iowa to a Final Four, and Tom Davis because while we all loved him and the success was relatively sustained, uh, it never reached heights like this, and it never reached the heights of Lute Olson. I mean, I think if you're building a the Iowa coach Mount Rushmore, I'm not sure a men's basketball coach makes the cut at this point. Because you got Dan Gable. I think Fry and Ference both have a really strong case to be there. And I think Lisa Bluter may have just etched her, her face on that mountain. Now, C. Vivian Stringer was incredible at Iowa. She lifted this program to a different level from where it had been. She made three Elite Eights. She made one Final Four. She won six Big Ten tournaments, regular season tournaments, or not not tournaments, rather, regular season championships. I don't think they had the Big Ten tournament when she was around. And then she went to Rutgers and, and continued to build a Hall of Fame career. And, uh, and you know, had she stayed, who knows what happens. But um, she's the only other women's basketball coach that's in this conversation. But I think the conversation is now leaned towards Lisa Bluter because she has achieved that thing, that Final Four. Bluter's been to two Elite Eights to see Vivian Stringer's three. One Final Four each. Uh, Bluter hasn't had the conference regular season success that C. Vivian Stringer did, but I would argue that this conference is a, uh, a much tougher league than it was then, and women's basketball is just a different animal than it was then. Lisa Bluter has won four conference tournament championships, uh, including the past two seasons where they've gone back-to-back. And then maybe the biggest piece of this whole thing that I think puts Lisa Bluter a notch ahead is this individual success of these players. You've had the player of the year, the national player of the year, and Megan Gustafson, who set the all-time Big Ten scoring record for a season, who did all these things, who helped lead Iowa to an Elite Eight, who was just an incredible and you follow that up with Caitlin Clark, who's making her case to be the greatest college basketball player in women's history. So the fact that you're able to recruit these two players back to back, bring them to Iowa City, and uh, and then and then bear that out with success, with wins, with sold out arenas, uh, with tournament success, Big Ten and NCAA, uh, and and do it all in this era 
where women's college basketball is, is having a moment unlike we've ever seen before. I think that does put Lisa Bluter slightly ahead of C. Vivian Stringer as Iowa's greatest basketball coach. The, the 23 seasons, I mean, so many tournament appearances, more than you can count, um, fell short in the tournament a handful of times, but is now breaking through. I mean, she didn't have a sweet 16 until 2015. Now she's got four since then. Lisa Bluter. Maybe some patience worked out for the Iowa women's basketball program in keeping Lisa Bluter around despite a lack of tournament success. I'll let you read into that as you wish. But I do think Lisa Bluter has elevated herself to a, a different level. And I think we need to start talking about her in a different way. And obviously, uh, if Iowa can somehow slay Goliath on Friday night, it all just goes to another level. This is so much fun. I hope you're enjoying it. I can't wait to watch this game. Oh, the other thing, if you're in Iowa City, even if you're not, if you're in that area, though, and you want to watch this game with a whole bunch of Hawkeye fans, they're opening up Carver Hawkeye Arena for this. For a Final Four watch party, free admission, Friday night. I think the doors open at 7.30. It's going to be about an 8.30 tip, maybe a little later than that. Uh, free parking in the the lots around uh, around Carver Hawkeye Arena. And man, it'd be cool to just have a ton of people inside Carver to watch this game. I wish I could make it over there. I won't be able to. But uh, how much fun is this going to be? Soak this in. Soak this up. I don't know if it'll, ever, if, if it'll ever happen again. Maybe it'll happen next year, right? Maybe it'll happen a couple of more times in 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 you know recent you know, like in these next few years who knows but maybe it won't happen again for 30 years maybe it'll never happen again uh, these seasons don't just come along we know that as hawkeye fans these moments are rare and we need to soak them up we need to eat them up we need to drink them up and enjoy them i hope you do that i'm going to do that i appreciate you listening be on the lookout for the opposition research podcast here at hawkeynation.com we have all this covered at hawkeynation.com from every angle you can expect uh, check out the work we're doing. We appreciate you. I appreciate you listening. And go Hawks!